Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Impact of Influence. Covering true crime throughout the Southeast. Hello, friend. So grateful you're going to spend time with us. I am Matt Harris. Seton Tucker is here. Hello, Seton Tucker. Hello. Where can they find Impact of Influence? You can find us on Facebook at Impact of Influence. Makes sense. And also <laughs> the YouTube channel that we're getting up and running. And uh, you know, be patient with us as we learn how to make that happen, but we'd love it if you subscribe to it. Uh, the best way is to go through the Facebook page to Impact of Influence and find your way there. Part of the Evergreen Podcast Company. Please rate and share the episode, comment on the episode, send us comments. We'd always, uh, we're always thrilled to get them, even if it's uh, something that's a little bit uh, on the negative side. That's okay. We learn from you all. Speaking of feedback, I guess we'll start right with that. Uh, the last episode we did was about Susan Smith, who killed her two young kids by drowning them in a lake, and we interviewed the prosecutor, Tommy Pope. Pretty good response. Yeah, great response, and I listened back to it. It was actually one of my top five favorite episodes, Ooh. I think. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, so we did receive a comment on our Facebook page from Jerry, and she says, I've been critical of this podcast in the past, so I think it is important to share how much I enjoyed this episode. Tommy Pope was so interesting, and I thought the introduction and refresher was very well done. Very timely with the upcoming parole. Nice. Very good. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Bring it on uh, through the, the Facebook page or even uh, Matt Harris podcast at gmail.com. And since the release of that, there's been some other news about old Susan Smith. Daily Mail uh, came out with an article where they say that Susan Smith has been having flirty phone relationships with at least seven men. And one of these men was almost half her age, 27-year-old Michael. And it's pretty spicy. She tells him, you make me feel young again. And he says, I want it a lot. Uh, do you think you can keep up with me? And she says, oh, yes. And she giggles in her response. Uh, the question is whether you can keep up with me. I can be a lot. Yeah, you're a lot, all right. I know. She's a lot. Uh, one man created a virtual fake family on Sims. I've never played that game, but I think it's a game where you create a family type yeah, situation. Yeah. Um, also, one of her suitors gave her tips on how to spend $200,000 that he has waiting for her when she's released <laughs> from prison. Okay. And apparently she's been asking her suitors to help her out financially if she is released from jail. Well, I mean, Tommy Pope, uh, the prosecutor of Susan Smith in 96, uh, was saying that he always found her mental illness plea shady because he told a little story about her flirting with a, a sheriff or something right after they found children, the kids. Yeah, yeah, her children were murdered. Now, what I found interesting about the fact that she's asking these men to save money and help her out financially if she gets out is she actually thinks she has a shot to get out. I think that's uh, extremely unlikely. I would think, but I... Who knows? Maybe somebody's telling her that. Maybe there's an attorney somewhere that's telling her that she has a shot. I think she's delusional. Um, did you mention the wet t-shirt 
No, I did not. <laughs> I mean, somebody else asked her about how she would look in a wet t-shirt. Which is horrible based on the fact of that she drowned oh, her kids and I drove them into even, a, a lake. I didn't even think about that. I just it, thought it was... It's it's creepy I mean, it's, on every level. It is creepy on every level. Come on, man. You guys got to do better. And then we had another comment on our Facebook page about Smith's relationship with uh, a prison guard. And this, I believe, happened when she was 27, and it was discovered after she uh, tested positive for an STD. Um, so this listener says, I don't like inmates taking the blame for sexual affairs with guards. She has been painted as manipulative and punished for her actions, but there's a power dynamic, and that should never be ignored in these situations. I would find it, I would not find it appropriate for those relationships to be considered during a parole hearing. I guess that could be a valid point. Um, because the guards are, do have the power. And you can, if you're having some sort of, uh, relationship with a guard, you might get some special favors. Maybe you get some items right. from the commissary or you get more time out in the prison yard. I don't really know, but, mm. um, yeah, I, I think that is true. And we also have to consider she went to prison as a young person and, You've limited choices. Uh, you know, she's interested in someone of the opposite sex. All horned that's, up and nowhere to go. That's your option, I guess. No, well, it's not an option. I mean, it shouldn't be an option because it's not legal. But on the other spec, so the, the guards have this prison, this uh, power dynamic situation. Yeah. But we also have to consider there's criminals, people who are criminals and they're in jail, convicted of a crime, are possibly people who are manipulating these guards. Yeah, we don't know which way it went on that because I have not read like testimony or anything about that. Well, we do know uh, that this uh, guard did plead guilty and he spent three months in jail for oh. this relationship. Right. Uh, I I, under, I totally get where the woman was talking about the power ba imbalance and then also could it be a manipulation of the prisoner? We I, 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 I don't know. I want to do a deeper dive into this. I've read a couple of articles basically on both sides of the coin and I think it's an interesting thing to discuss and Possibly if we can find the time, uh, dive deeper into that. We've got some, uh, hopefully some really cool episodes coming up about other crimes committed in the Southeast region. We're going to kind of stick to that area for the most part. And if you have any tips, and we have been getting some, um, send them to us. You know, message us on, on Facebook or find Seton Tucker on uh, X. She loves to, to see you there if someone is nice to her. <laughs> so we've got some other news. Uh, just kind of, you know, there's going to be Murdoch things trickling in now and again, but this might be it for a little while. I well, know. no, I mean, well, there's actually been a, a decent amount of updates in the last, uh, since we did our last Murdoch episode, which was two weeks ago. So we figured we'd update you on those uh, just because I know some people are here to find out if there's anything happening with the Murdoch situation. Okay, let's uh, go to the, the the bloody towel. Well, so the True Sunlight podcast, uh, they had been reviewing some tapes of sled interviews that were conducted after the murders of Maggie and Paul. Um, and as we discussed this before, uh, the family was perplexingly allowed to go back into the home after the murders. Yes, it was um, not sealed off or anything like that. I think they even went in that night. Right? I mean, yeah. Yes. So during one of these interviews, they discuss a hand towel that was found by Alec Murdoch's niece, uh, Randy Murdoch's daughter, that may have had a small smear of blood on it. Uh, now, this was a hand towel, and it was in a half bath on the first floor of the main house. Now, 
it's said that the niece handed the towel to Lynn, who was uh, Alec Murdoch's sister. And according to the podcast, Lynn had it washed. Now, she couldn't remember if she washed it or if she asked Blanca to do it. Uh, Lynn told law enforcement that she did not believe it was related to the murders because the murders had occurred at the dog kennels, and that's why she did not tell them about it. Uh, And she says, in hindsight, she probably should have told law enforcement about this hand towel. You have to go back to that time. I'm sure his sister was not even remotely considering the fact that Alec might have done it, right? So you don't even think you're covered because it's like, there's no way my brother would have done it. Yes, but I would like to think if I saw something that I might think was blood, I might would point that out to law enforcement. But you're in shock. And they were allowed by law enforcement to go back in the house. And, and law enforcement had been there, so. And I think the bigger issue is law enforcement. Of course, that's the bigger issue. Yes, I agree 100%. She should have probably advised them, but she wasn't in law enforcement. And she didn't for one reason or another. But law enforcement should have probably done a better job. Uh, securing that securing that and maybe not letting family get back into the house the law enforcement mistakes we talk about too is not going over to the mom's house Alex's mom's house at all you know uh, for days you know they didn't go through the drain or all this stuff as people talk about but I I can totally get where the sister doesn't it doesn't register at the time because for multiple reasons like she said it was way over there you don't think your brother had anything to do with it, you know, at that moment. Um, you're kind of just cleaning up, and then in retrospect, was there a little blood on there? It says little blood. It doesn't like a blood-soaked rag. That'd be a little different if it was drenched in blood, but if you see a mark of blood... And it wasn't just on her. I mean, the niece saw it, um, and we don't know if, if uh, she put it in the wash or if Blanca put it in the wash. If Blanca was involved in some way, she, that's yet another person who didn't think to notify law enforcement. It says small smear. Small smear. Yeah. You know, just to reiterate that, you're going through a lot. I mean, your your uh, sister-in-law and your nephew have been shot and killed in a violent act. You're not necessarily thinking. You're not in your right mind. It's right, very close. Yeah. Hit, it's hitting close to home to you. Right, right. And if she was totally trying to do a cover-up, she would never even mention it. You didn't, well, no, you the never niece had to is the it. one who mentioned it to law enforcement. The niece is the one who mentioned it to law enforcement. Okay, but she gave it to... She gave it to Lynn. Right. And then I guess Lynn was questioned about it. Okay. So we'll never know. We won't know if it was, in fact, blood or something else. Right. Um, Or or just blood from yourself shaving or a million different things. Who knows? Let's talk about one of our sponsors. It is Factor. You can eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh meal is never frozen and it is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, uh, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, and they are ready in just two minutes. Where did you have chili the other day? Delicious. And if you want gourmet meals, you can try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, asparagus. So head to factormeals.com slash impact50 and use code impact50, 5-0, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code's IMPACT50 at factormeals.com slash IMPACT50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. IMPACT50 at factormeals.com slash IMPACT50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
So what is uh, next update? Becky Hill? Becky Hill. So Fitz reports that uh, it is being looked into whether Becky Hill perjured herself on the stand during the evidentiary hearing. Now, during the hearing, Becky Hill was asked if she ever gave press access to view sealed exhibits. Now, she denied allowing this. But according to Fitz sources, SLED visited the Colleton County Courthouse on February 14th in search of evidence they believe will prove Hill lied on the stand. Mm. Uh, they looked at rugs and carpets within the building as part of an attempt to tie certain images and videos to sealed exhibits. They're saying that possibly Hill had something to do, and maybe this proves that she lied on the so stand. So she released these the sealed documents. Right. So they're looking at certain images that the media had and trying to prove if Like she took a came. picture of an exhibit, and in the background is the rug that's in that is in her office, office or, something, or something like that. Something along those lines. Yeah, okay. They'll look into that. I got gotcha. you. And then we have the old Rivers-Roberts uh, drug combo. Uh, two Walterboro men are facing charges related to the operation that supplied opioids to Alec Murdoch. And, you know, Cousin Eddie was the, the go-between. Uh, at least that's what Waters and the prosecution had uh, alleged. Right, so Jerry K. Rivers, he was sentenced to seven years in prison by Judge Newman. And according to the Post and Couriers, Rivers claimed that he had never actually personally met Alec Murdoch. It sounds like he was some sort of middleman who would buy pills from people who had prescriptions and then resell them to Alec Murdoch through Eddie, Cousin Eddie, for profit. And that's what we all along thought was the story. Waters had said, I said uh, you know, when he was creating Waters, when he was, you know, uh, not prosecuting, but when he was... They were under arrest. They were going to the thing. He was telling the judge about Bond. He's like, yeah, this guy runs drugs with Eddie up to Alec and back. Yeah. So Rivers uh, had enrolled in some sort of rehab facility for addiction to painkillers. He says he developed while selling drugs. Um, during this hearing, he took responsibilities for his actions and was described um, by others as a gentle giant. I hope he gets the help he needs. I. Don't know about the sentencing, and I'm not deep into the weeds enough to know if that is mandatory or where that stood on the spectrum of years. It just seemed a little bit uh, shorter, considering Corey Fleming got ten. I don't know, but I mean, it was different crimes, and yes. Corey was involved in stealing money from people. I, I don't know. Yeah, it did, I don't did know. seem like it was lighter than the sentence that Corey received. But again, I've not done a deep dive into that, so don't write me about that. Right, right. Um, at that same hearing, Roberts was sentenced to eight years, but he is still facing uh, money laundering and distribution charges in connection to his scheme with Alec Murdoch. I'm still wondering, like, they got the years... They charged him with drugs. Did they catch him with a lot of drugs or just found out? They were, did they just roll and say, okay, I did do drugs? I don't remember them ever saying we caught him and he had like a truckload of drugs. I think there was some sort of sting. Remember there was yeah. that cell phone situation the phone. where they they turned in a phone that wasn't yeah. an iPhone. But I I'd still think that there's information that these guys might have. Not necessarily, certainly information about how much they were selling, Right. Alec claims he was on all this stuff. How much were they giving to Eddie? And if that's the case, what was Alec doing with it all? And where's Eddie standing all this stuff? Yep. We still haven't heard from uh, Eddie as far as prison time or even having a, a sentencing situation lined up. 
Right. So, well, that'll be an interesting one to see. I might have to make the trip. Yeah, exactly. For that to one. See I want to I wanna see him in person. I, I'm guessing they will plea down and he won't take, they'll just come in and say, this is what he gets. Right. But even at a sensing hearing, he may speak. Yeah. And yeah. we could see something. Um, so we also have one of the jurors that is represented by Eric Bland is writing a book about their experience as a juror. Um, so out of curiosity, I kind of looked up to see if other jurors had written books about their experience. And there was an article that I found in The Week, and they talk about some uh, books that were written by jurors. And I just found it really interesting, just as a little side note. There was one written by a person named Hazel Thornton about the Mendez trial. Uh, the brothers that killed their parents. Right. And you can find copies of this book available for one penny each. I guess it probably wasn't a... Didn't do well. Didn't do well. Um, there was another one that was written by Michael Knox, and he was a juror on the OJ case. Um, and he wrote his book with the help of a National Enquirer reporter. And this book was actually released prior to the conclusion of the trial. Wow. And it was interesting because Knox was dismissed from the jury for lying about his past criminal record. Hmm. Seven jurors got together on the Scott Peterson case. He was the one who, uh, the man who murdered his uh, pregnant wife. Right, right. But he, there's a uh, one of the innocence projects of California is. Yeah, I is, saw that. Uh, They're saying that he's not. He's not guilty. He's They're not guilty. Fight for it. But he's convicted at this point. Yes, absolutely. So this next one I found interesting. It was a book written by a man named Dennis DeMartin, and he has gotten into some hot water for his book. He wrote a book about a trial he served on about a vehicular manslaughter of a polo mogul, John Goodman. Now, what is interesting is he admits to drinking three vodka drinks before the deliberation to gauge Goodman's level of intoxication. Oh, so he must have, I guess on the case, uh, Goodman must have had three vodkas. So this guy's like, I'll try three I'm going to try to see. Uh, so this and I think a few other things uh, aided Goodman in receiving a new trial and DeMartin faced charges of indirect criminal contempt. <laughs> this is, you know, like these people, like why admit that? You know you're going to get in trouble. I know. I mean, it's, it's just lack in, of. Jeez, people, self-awareness a little bit. Yes. So we got some, let's see, what Eric Bland has filed a motion for reconsideration regarding his clients not getting a cut of Alex remaining cash. The other doling out the money said that the amount already removed from any source e.g. collateral, third-party insurance, and the percentage of the recovery as it compared to financial loss, not including interest, punitive, or tort damages. As some claimants have recovered less than their loss, some recovered 100% of loss, and others have recovered in excess of 200% of their loss. So the last uh, episode we did on Murdoch, we talked about uh, Alec Murdoch's remaining funds, I think a million plus, million some dollars, I think it was, yeah. was it 1.7? 1.7, yeah. Um, and how they doled it out to certain people, and Eric Bland's clients did not receive anything. But if you look at this order, they've said they, they do base some of these decisions on how much money the victims had received from other sources. Which went in the two Satterfields had already received a bunch of money, and who was the other ones? He's the Plyler sisters. Plyler sisters had been uh, given so some So maybe well. they're saying some, some people received a lot more from other sources where some haven't even— Received, been made whole 
yet. Right. So Basically, yes, so not they, made whole. I, I, I want to I want to clarify that because made whole doesn't mean that they've made whole for the trauma that they've been through or being stolen. This financially, money. just financially, the exact amount of money that they were stolen. Yes, and I'm sure they considered the fact that the Satterfields could receive the millions of dollars already. You only have an infinite number. I mean, it's not like we only have a finite number, I should say. And who are you going to does Eric want them to take it from? They're going to give it to, to them. Well, I think they're saying they don't think that PMPD or Johnny Parker should have received any right. any money. That's the main place. I think those are the, the people they're saying. All right. How about this suspended attorney issue? Yeah, this was interesting. Um, There's a man named Peter Strauss. Uh, he's a suspended Hilton Head-based attorney, and he has pled guilty in the U.S. District Court to transferring millions of dollars to prevent seizure. Uh, now, this plea was in front of Judge Gurgle, and he faces a maximum penalty of five years in federal prison and fines. Uh, now, Strauss was an expert in captive insurance management, and it appears as if this whole scheme may have been discovered during a contentious divorce. Mm. Um, now, some are speculating that this may be the answer to Alec Murdoch's millions of dollars, where that may be. Um, mm. You know, and if he's stuck, struck some sort of plea deal, maybe we'll see. We we wait, we just think they're, they're just assuming there's a connection between there, the two. So or? I think Fitz and maybe True Sunlight have said that their sources are saying that there's a potential that some connection. There may be some sort of connection. I don't know. I will see, especially if there's this five year plea deal. That seems pretty light. Maybe he's he's going to sing. Mm. Oh, and it really interesting too. Um, we had done an episode, I don't know, probably a year and a half ago on the disappearance of a Hilton Head couple, John and Elizabeth Calvert. And this man who was kind of implicated in this, his name was Dennis Gerwig. Mm-hmm. And he was I just discovered by Corey Fleming and Peter yep. Strauss. This and new Corey Fleming. We mentioned that in the But this Strauss was involved in that too. Why, so just did he just happen I mean, to live there or I don't know. Because it wasn't Hilton Head that Gerwig was found. They say he stabbed himself to death in his bathroom. And I know Fleming was was there. I mean not when it happened, but when they got the call. That uh, it ha- I don't know how Strauss was involved, but that is interesting. Yeah, we'll see if this actually, you know, because people still have a lot of questions about where all these millions of dollars may have gone. So maybe, maybe there'll be answers. Uh, and uh, Moselle, the most famous bit of property in all of the Low Country, maybe because of the last couple of years where the Murdochs lived, it's been sold a couple of times, I guess, and now we're up to another one. The original property was over 1,700 acres, and this sale is just 21 acres that includes the main residence, but not the dog kennels. Mm. Um, and it's going to become a horse farm. Right. And Michael DeWitt with Greenville News wrote an article about it, and I loved his quote, Geldings will gallop and ponies will play where bourbon-soaked millionaire lawyers once gathered for outdoor sports. Uh, our buddy Michael DeWitt. And you can catch our the podcast we do with him called the Wicked South Podcast. Please check that out. Uh, and uh, the Parker Beach case, a little bit, tiny quick note on that. Yeah, this is that outrage case. And uh, Judge Bentley Price has stepped down and Fitz reports that uh, sources familiar to the case confirm that Price was compelled to stand down uh, following the publication of their report, um, and he has been replaced with Judge Morgan out of Greenville. 
And there you go. That's your uh, updates on that. We are uh, going to continue to do this thing. And also the Wicked South podcast, which we mentioned with uh, Michael DeWitt. Uh, very interesting Wicked South recently about the brothel in uh, uh, Georgetown. Georgetown, thank you, down there in the low country. Um, but we're going to keep cranking out podcasts and the YouTube channel and the impact of influence on Facebook. Rate and share, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we will talk soon, friend. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh -huh. You go home, and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com <laughs>